I bought a um, one point, it was $1.4 million 24 plex. And wow. I'll tell you the $70,000 condo was way scarier than the 1.4 million. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today we're sitting down with Chandler David Smith. This, this dude has done some massive things in the door-to-door -door sales space and has a lot of valuable sales information to bring to you guys today. I know a lot of you guys are interested in sales, getting better at sales and really honing in and developing that skill. So Chandler's got some very valuable pieces of information that he's gonna share with you guys when it comes to becoming a more effective salesperson, both in the door-to-door -door side of things and in just general sales skills, whether that's over the phone, face-to-face, -face, or whatever. So in his first summer, he was actually working as a door-to-door -door salesman while he was in school. And during his first summer, he made nearly $100,000 in his pocket from this job, which is absolutely crazy. This dude has a knack for sales for sure. He's now got a team that brings in over $20 million consistently on doing door-to-door -door sales. And he's actually gone on and used all that money that he's making to invest into real estate. So he's got over 63 doors of real estate to his name that he rents out. Um, and that is his main passion, both door-to-door -door sales and real estate. So we're going to dive deep into both of those different areas. I know those are things that you guys are very interested in. So I knew Chandler would be a perfect fit for the show. So without further ado, I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Chandler David Smith. All right, Chandler, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Doing great. Excited to be here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. So our listeners heard a little bit about you in the intro, but for those of them that aren't familiar, give us a quick snapshot of where you're at right now. Yeah. So I uh, started about eight years ago in door-to-door -door sales selling pest control. <laughs> and so it was kind of a funny start, but my first summer in about three and a half months, I ended up making $96,000 just knocking doors selling pest control. So that kind of propelled me into doing that during the summers. And then I had a bunch of spare money from that because I was smart with those funds and I started investing in real estate. So every year I got better at sales and I started creating teams and worked up into a regional manager position that now pays me a lot more than I made originally. And it's given me a lot more money to invest in real estate. So I now own over 63 doors of buy and hold real estate. So right around five, $6 million worth of real estate and adding to that every year. I also started a YouTube channel just to help people to invest in real estate and do that. And I continue to do sales training and manage over 200 sales reps that I love to find college kids that we can give them an opportunity to come out and kind of go on the same path I did to make money, pay for their college and have some money to get ahead. I love it. I love it. I'm super stoked to dive into all that because sales is something that I'm always getting questions on from the listeners, young guys who are like, how do I get started selling stuff? I want to build that skill set. So I'm stoked to dive into this. Now, tell me, Chandler, like how does a guy his first summer in three and a half months sell nearly $100,000 worth of pest control? Like how does that happen? <laughs> you know, it's a great question. And I think it's a combination of things. First off, sales is hard and there's a ton of rejection. But I think there are a lot of similarities between sales and entrepreneurship where you get a lot of no's, you fail a lot, you have a lot of struggles. And so first of all, just having the mindset of getting through that rejection. But then I also poured a lot of my time and attention into the right training so that I could work on my verbal, my nonverbal, my paraverbal communication skills to be able to win someone over quickly, get them to trust me and get them to buy from me. 
For sure. So talk to us about rejection really quick. Cause I, I know a lot of our younger listeners are like, man, I'm not going to take any chances. I don't want to like, I don't want to deal with that. Like I want to keep my life easy. I don't want to like take these risks that that might like put me in a position where I might get rejected. So how was that ever a big struggle for you? Like thinking about like, what if I get rejected? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think anyone that wants to accomplish big things without rejection, they'll never accomplish big things. It just doesn't happen regardless of the field that you're in. You're going to face a lot of rejection. I think what's so cool about door-to-door sales is you get to face a ton of it really quick <laughs> and learn how to handle it. I mean, in this job, I went out in my first week, I was working, you know, 50 hour week and I didn't sell a single account. So I spent a week working completely free, getting probably 150 to 200 no's per day. And a lot of those are mean no's. And so having the gumption to stick through that, continue to train, and then finally get it to where things were clicking for me was really hard. But just learning that has been a huge thing for me to, you know, start a YouTube channel, to be able to start investing in real estate, to take on other challenges. And so I would just say the more rejection you can find, the more failure you can find, the better off you're going to be. Mm. Now, was there a moment that things started clicking for you? Or was it kind of just a gradual process between like these, these 50 hours of just straight rejections and then getting to that place where you're now like selling a lot of accounts? You know, I think it was gradual in learning the skill set. But for me, the second that I sold that first account, I sold three more accounts within the hour. Wow. And, and so to say it's immediate, I don't think that's a true statement. But for me, it was a long progression. But then once it clicked that, holy cow, I can do this, that confidence propelled me to use those skills that I'd worked on acquiring and things really blew up fast for me. I bet. So like break down some of those skills that you were acquiring. Like I know you mentioned communication and getting all those different styles of communication in order, but what are some of like the foundational things that a young listener needs to understand if they want to start having some success in sales? You know, I think first off, everyone thinks that sales comes down to what you say. And when you really look at sales, the actual words you're using only matter about 10%. And some studies have even shown that it's a lot less than 10%. And so what you say is definitely important. I mean, you can still totally butcher an approach sure. by saying the wrong things. But when it comes to your paraverbal and your nonverbal skills, those are huge. So paraverbal are things like the tone and pitch and speed, kind of the music of your voice. And the nonverbal things are just your body language, your smile, your head nods, when you make eye contact, when you break it, your posture, just all of those things play a role. And so with our sales training, we dive into every one of those things so that you look confident, so that you come off as confident, trustworthy, and all of those things are important. And even if you're making a sale you know, over the phone, your nonverbal cues are still so important because people are going to hear that through the phone. Absolutely. So has confidence ever been something that you've struggled with? I know for a lot of people that doesn't come very naturally. And like you said, in sales, that's, that's something that can be a huge asset for you. So did you ever struggle with that? 100%. I think anyone that says they've never struggled with confidence is lying to you. <laughs> and so I think everyone goes through those ups and downs. And one of the big things, um, a while back, I spoke with the Wolf of Wall Street in an event. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he would say is so important with sales is connecting and he uses the phrase anchoring to moments where you're really confident or where you've been extremely successful so that you have certain things you can do to draw on those moments to bring back you know the sounds the senses the way you feel 
because if you're lacking confidence, that's going to come in or it's going to come out in your paraverbal and your nonverbal communication. And so it's much easier to work on bringing back that memory of when you're confident, because then a lot of those nonverbal things will follow. And so I would say find those times when you're really confident and find a way to bring them back in those moments where you're lacking confidence so you can get that push to go and show that confident nature. Mm, absolutely. So as far as like door-to-door sales go, is that still primarily what you're training people for right now? It is. Yeah. That I would say is my number one passion when it comes to work. I've got 200 sales reps and I still do a lot of the trainings. I travel all over the country to train them on how to sell, how to make a good first impression. And a lot of people wouldn't do this if they're in my position, but believe it or not, I still go on the doors for a month with my sales reps and I let them watch me do a door to door approach. And that's awesome. Cause first off it's humbling to go and have someone, you know, kind of tear you down and it's like, no, like I'm good at this. I've seen success. I've done big things, but that doesn't matter when you're on the door, you still have to rely on that skill set. And I love that opportunity because it makes me uncomfortable and it gives me the chance to show guys, look, anybody can do this. And if you put in the time and the work and the energy, you can make it happen. Mm. Is that what makes you so passionate about it? Or like, where does that drive come from for you? You know, I think for me, if I told you it wasn't hard for me at times, I would be lying. I mean, there are literally times over the last eight years where I found myself on the curb in tears after (laughs) something someone's told me. But I think that's one of the big reasons I love it so much is it is hard. And when you acquire that skill set to where you can take someone that's yelling at you, that literally is mad because you knocked on their door and within two or three minutes flip them to where they not only like you, but they're handing you their credit card. There's something really empowering about that. I mean, that's a skill set that not a lot of people have. And I love not only using that skill set, but training other people to use that. Because even if they don't stay in sales their whole life, they're going to have job interviews. They're going to have altercations with people. They're going to have interactions where that's so valuable. And I love giving people that skill set. Absolutely. Now, one thing you mentioned there was, was first impressions. And I think that's something that, that is extremely valuable inside or outside of sales. So when it comes to thinking about first impressions, what are sort of the, the things that you're thinking about when you're interacting with someone for the first time? You know, there are a couple things and I could go for a while, but sure. the three big things that I would tell people when making a first impression is smile, head nod, and slow down. And the reason I focus on those things is right when you meet someone, you're going to be nervous. And a lot of times we, we you know, show our confident, what we think is our confident face that's frowning or cringing or whatever it is. But if when you meet someone, you're speaking very slowly. Sorry, did I lose you there? Just for a sec. Cool. If you're meeting with someone for the first time, if you speak really slowly, you're making good eye contact, you're smiling right when you make that eye contact and you're just calm and collected, you're going to make that great first impression. And those things are huge because someone's going to judge you just in those first couple seconds. And if you're doing those things, it's going to make a big impact because it sets you apart from other people that are talking fast, that Mm -hmm. they're breaking eye contact. And so I'd say those are the big tips. 100%. I could not agree more. Now, when did you start to pivot from like doing into teaching? Like, obviously, you still are a practitioner, you're still going on the doors. But when did you start thinking like, I could, I could teach people how to do this? 
you know, I came back after my first summer and I was offered a management position where I could go and lead a team of 10 to 15 guys. And so right away, I had a bunch of my friends that I wanted to have the same opportunity I did. I mean, in three, four months, I made close to a hundred grand. So I invited my friends to come out and work on my team and they came out and that was when I got that first chance to kind of teach them and give them the experience. And right off, it was hard because a lot of people, you know, they didn't enjoy the job like I did. I mean, it was tough. But those couple of my friends that it really clicked with and I gave them that skill set, I think that's when I just fell in love with training is I, I had one friend in particular that he was way low on money. He probably didn't have the most self-confidence and we got him out there and he ended up making, I think it was 60 or $70,000 his first summer and it flipped everything for him. I mean, he was more confident with girls his grades were better. His whole life situation changed because he had this confidence of, wow, I can do this. I can control my life. I can sell people on me. And seeing that gave me that passion that it's like, man, I want to do this with everyone that I can. And I think that's where I started to change over to, you know, more the training side of things on top of just the sales. Mm. Absolutely. And like being able to really see the impact you have on someone in their life is, is such a powerful thing. Totally. It really is. I mean, and even today, I still every year I'll have reps that come to me and say, man, thank you so much. I never would have gotten this job or I never would have gotten this girl to go out with me or I never would have the confidence to do X, Y, or Z. And that's awesome. It's a ton of fun to have those experiences. Absolutely. So are you still with that same company that you got started with or have you sort of moved around a bit? I am. I'm still with the same company that I started with. I've been with them for eight years and I think a lot of people have that thought process of, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else, mm. but I've always thought the grass is greener where you water it. And because <sighs> of that, <laughs> well, I think so many people, they just always have that mindset of, Oh, there's something bigger. There's something better. And I think there always is, but a lot of times you're looking in the wrong place where if you just pour yourself into where you're at, you're going to be a lot better off. One of my favorite quotes that I share with all my reps is successful people know what they want. So they make decisions quick and they hold to them where unsuccessful people, it makes them, it takes a long time for them to make a decision and then they waver in it. And so once I decided this was a good place for me, I'm just stuck with it and made the best of it. That's, that's so true. Now, before you got into sales, obviously you got into sales pretty young, but were there ever any other like ventures you tried or like things you tried and didn't have success with? Totally. I think all growing up, I had a lot of failures because I just didn't like working for other mm. people. Um, I would go and knock doors to mow people's lawns. I would go and it was called worm squirmer. We'd pour this stuff in our lawn and it would make all the worms come up mm. and we'd go pick the worms and then sell them to people that were going fishing. <laughs> we'd go, we'd go knock on doors and paint people's curbs and the only real, like real job I've had, I worked at a law firm and I worked there for like a three, four month period. And it was the worst job ever because I was getting, you know, seven bucks an hour to be bossed around. And so one of my favorite things to tell people is now after going, working door to door sales, getting into real estate, about two years ago, I got to go back and purchase 
that law firm building that I now rent <laughs> to the law firm. And so that was like a big thing for me to just stick it to the man and say, man, I don't like working for people. I like failing a lot and finding something that I'm good at and then pouring my soul into it. That's the truth. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into real estate now. When did you purchase your first rental property? So the first one was probably about six, probably pushing six years ago. Wow. So how old would you been at that time? Um, what? I'm just about to turn 29. So sure. I think I was, I think it was right around like 22, 23. So had so. you been building credit for a while? You know, I really hadn't. Um, after my first summer, I went out. Cause my first summer was eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so after my first summer, I realized, holy cow, I've got this money. I need to find somewhere to put it. Yeah. And that's when I realized I needed to get credit to be able to make it happen. So I went out, I got credit cards. I started working on that and I was able to slowly build it and get it to the point where I could, you know, invest in those first couple properties a couple of years later. So I had two years of looking at properties, having money that I was sitting on, getting to work on my credit and get to the point where then I could really start investing in real estate. Mm, that's the truth. Now, what was the draw to real estate for you? Like, obviously you had this money, you could have gone with stocks, you could have gone with any number of other things. Uh, why'd you choose real estate? You know, I messed around for a while. I looked at different mutual funds, stocks, bonds, all kinds of different stuff. And once I really did my research, I found that there wasn't a better place to invest. Because with all of those, I feel like there's a lot of risk involved, which you're going to have risk in anything. But I felt like your return was limited. I mean, any stocks, bonds, whatever, unless they're high risk, I was hearing 5 to 10% returns, where when I looked into real estate, not only could I cash flow and be getting a 15 or 20% return on my investment, but then I was also getting a 5%, you know, 3 to 5% appreciation on the property, where if I only had a 25% down, that was multiplied by four. I also was getting principal pay down because I had a loan. I was getting tax benefits. And so when I started doing the math, I'm like, man, this seems pretty low risk, but I could be getting 30, 40, 50% returns on my money if I was doing things right. And so it just seemed kind of crazy that I would try anything else. Sure. I mean, that, that totally, that totally makes sense. Now with your first couple doors, like what was, what was that experience like for you? Like, was, was there a big learning curve? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, it was terrifying. I mean, the, <laughs> the first property I purchased was a $70,000 condo. And what was it? A year and a half ago, I bought a, um, one point, it was $1.4 million 24 plex. And wow. I'll tell you the $70,000 condo was way scarier than the $1.4 million 24 plex. Because by that point I had it figured out. I was comfortable. I knew what I was doing, but that first property, it's always going to be scary. It's going to be intimidating. You're going to do things wrong. But if it wasn't for that first property, I never would have gotten to the point that I could buy those bigger properties. And so, yeah, it's scary. It's hard. There's risk involved, but it's so worth taking it and going through those struggles so you can get to those bigger deals and you know, that bigger opportunity. For sure. So if you could go back in time and talk to like 23 year old Chandler before you started investing in real estate, what, what would you tell yourself? Or like, what do you wish you would have known before you got involved? You know, I wish I would have gotten into a lot more real estate. I talk about it all the time. I mean, I passed on probably heck six, seven incredible deals just because they were bigger deals where all the money in my bank account would have been 
on low. And I look at where the market is now and what those would have done for me. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken more risk. I wish I would have grabbed those because I knew the deal was good. It was just scary to jump on it because it was something bigger than what I'd done before. And so looking back, I wish I would have said, no, like I'm going to take the risk. I'm still going to do the research, but I'm going to have the guts to just go all in and make it happen. And so if you're in a situation like I was, I would say, look, find something like real estate that you want to be all in on and then commit 100%, educate yourself and go all in on it. Take the risk and do it as fast as you can. I, I, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Did you have any mentors in, in the real estate space when you were getting started or was it kind of just like trial and error self-education? Definitely. I had a friend growing up and I always loved going to his house because it was this mansion <laughs> compared to what we were living in. Had like an indoor pool. I thought it was the coolest wow. thing ever. And I remember his dad saying that he'd invested in real estate and that's where they got what they wanted. And so after I had made money, he was the first person I called and said, Hey, I know you had, you know, done real estate. I've looked at stocks, bonds, this other stuff, but tell me why real estate's a good option. And he was kind of the guy that directed me and helped me get started in those first deals and answered some of those hard questions for me. And so that was someone that made a huge impact to kind of set me on the right path. Hmm. So do you think it's like important to have some kind of mentor figure in any area that, that a listener is going into, or do you think self-education is, is going to be like a better option? Like what's, what are your thoughts on mentors? Um, I think to your question, the answer is yes. <laughs> I think they both are so huge. And I think what I find frustrating, I mean, almost on a daily basis, I'll have someone reach out and say, Hey, will you be my mentor and teach me how to invest in real estate? And my first thing is, yeah, definitely. Like I'd love to help, but what do you know so far? Have you invested in yourself? Have you educated yourself so that I'm not starting from ground zero? Because there's so many books, there's so much incredible information on YouTube in all these different areas. And so if you really want a good mentor and you want them to be able to help you and be incentivized to help you, put in the time up front learn what you can on your own. And then you're going to have a much easier time finding mentors who are willing to help you out. And so I got lucky because even I didn't make the best move with that. I had educated myself a little bit, but looking back, I would say, educate yourself as much as you can, because then mentors are going to be a lot more willing to help you. And you definitely need them if you want to get where you really want to be. That's the truth. And like, you need to be able to ask good questions because a lot of people they'll hit me up and they'll be like, yeah, can you mentor me on podcasting or mentor me on, on something like this, that, or the other thing. And I'm like, yeah, but like, what are your, what are your actual questions? Like if you just ask me to be your mentor, like, what does that mean? Like, like ask me an actual question and I'll give you an actual answer. But if you just like teach me how to do a podcast, I'm like, you got to give me a little bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And it's frustrating as someone that, you know, they're coming to because it's like, look, I don't want to be a jerk, but no. you've got to also recognize I've put in thousands of hours and I'm not going to start at ground zero for those thousands of hours with you because I'm a good person. You shouldn't expect that of me. So you yeah. go put in your 800 hours and I'd love to help you from there because I promise you then I'm going to be a lot more help. You're going to know a lot more and we're going to be in a better situation. So it's not a you know, just giving relationship, but we can give and take and it's going to be good. Absolutely. Now, before we hopped on the podcast, you mentioned a couple of people who I'd had on the show that you were pretty close with or that you'd met before. And one thing that our listeners are always curious about is, is networking. So how do you go out there and network and, and connect with high level individuals? Like what's, what's that look like for you? 
there is so much value in networking. And I think for me, I've tried to do it in every way possible, whether it's getting out to events, whether it's reaching out to people personally and finding ways that I can add value to them, just all of these different things. So in the last year, um, just so you have an idea, I, even though I feel like I'm confident as a real estate investor, I spent a couple thousand dollars to go to a Vegas presentation or a Vegas event with Matt McKeever, who's a bigger YouTuber. Um, I paid about $5,000 to go on a trip to Japan with some of the bigger entrepreneurs that are out of Utah that are doing a lot of stuff in real estate that I'm doing. Um, I've done two videos in the last little bit with Meet Kevin, who's just an absolute stud. I mean, incredible <laughs> guy. Um, I feel like I'm always taking from that relationship. So I try to do everything I can to give back, but just constantly reaching out, finding ways that you can give value, finding ways that you can connect with people has such a big impact, not only for what you'll learn, but just you pick up on other people's vibe, you learn from them. And then you've got connections that when you do hit a struggle, you can say, Oh, I know he's dealt with this before. I'm going to call him up and say, Hey, I know you dealt with this before. What would you do in my situation? Because this is what I'm running into. And there's so much value there. Could not agree more. What is your, like when you come in to, like when you find someone that you're like, I want to connect with this individual. Like what are some of the thoughts that go through your mind? I know you mentioned a couple of times, like providing value to that person, but how do you think about that? You know, I think it's hard because anytime you're reaching out to someone, you're uncomfortable. You don't want to feel like you're taking or, you know, making it an awkward relationship. And so for me, I think it's trying to find things where I think that would be important to them. And sometimes that means spending money. I mean, there are so many people that I've purchased their courses or, you know, I've commented on their YouTube channels for a consistent time period. I've found ways to, you know, tag them in things or add them in things. I've found little gifts or different things that I can send to someone, whatever it takes so that they know I'm invested in trying to help them as well as been big. And a lot of that, I think it's scary to invest in yourself by going to different events or by putting yourself out there. And I think the more that you just show up to things like that, the more people are going to see you and the more comfortable they're going to be interacting with you. The last thing that I would say though, is you've also got to get yourself to a point where you have value to give. I mean, had I not owned real estate and been successful in sales, I guarantee a lot of these guys wouldn't want to interact with me. And so it's a catch 22, but you've got to find ways to work your butt off and put in the grind on your own so that you have some value to bring to the table. Yeah. I see a lot of guys trying to like go into these relationships, meet these higher level influencers, but they don't have any skills. Like they don't have any marketable, like anything that they can offer this person that they could provide value to this person with. And for me, like the biggest thing is like, take some time, like develop a skill. And then once you have something of value, then you can really start to grow your network. But until then, it's going to be really tough because you, you have nothing to add to the relationship. It's not a two-way street. It's just like you asking for stuff. It's so true. Hmm. So I'm curious as well about some of the challenges that you face because I, I know we've talked a lot about like the successes that you've had both in sales and real estate. And I like to keep the show pretty real because I mean, obviously entrepreneurship, sales, um, investing, it's not all sunshine and roses. Like I think it's really important for our listeners to, to get an understanding of, of some of the hardships you've gone through as well. So uh, really like right off the bat, are there any like moments that come to mind for you or experiences where you really like hit a wall? Totally. I think there are dozens of them. Um, I think on the sales side of things, 
that first summer, when you go and you make $96,000 in a summer, that doesn't come without tons of things going wrong. I mean, people that you'll set up an appointment with for them to get service, you've gotten their credit card, they're good to go, and the technician doesn't show up. Or there's a you know, mix up on the timing or something goes wrong and the customer has an issue and then we mess up. There's so many of those things. I mean, whether the cops get called on you because someone thinks you look sketchy in the neighborhood, you're gonna have so many of those things on a daily basis that not only get in the way, but really hurt your confidence and make you be like, man, what am I doing with my life? Like this sucks. And so those on the sales side happen all the time, but they happen with everything. I mean, from a training perspective, it's terrible when you go and you talk to someone and say, look, come experience this. I want to help you get the skill set. And they go out and they hate it because it's a really hard job. And so then you've got them to come out to give them this good experience and they're not having a good experience and they're unwilling to work through those struggles, that's hard too because then you've got to work with these people that are now stuck in depression because they hate the job and they hate the experience and they're nothing but negative. That sucks. When it comes to real estate, I mean, pipes break, issues happen, you've got evictions, you've got all of these different things where you're losing money and more money is coming in than is going out. But a lot of people let those stresses kind of come over them and take over them and they can't see the bigger picture and they let those emotions get the best of them. And that's why people stop or they give up. And so I think once you set your goals and you're headed in the right direction, you've got to know those are going to come and just plan on them. Do you have any strategies for like bringing yourself back to that bigger picture when, when you're feeling like stressed out about all these little things? I know you mentioned setting goals, but like, do you have any, any like routines, rituals that you use to like bring yourself back? hundred percent. I think gratitude is huge. When I get bummed, I think about all the things I'm grateful for because what people don't realize is it doesn't matter how successful you are, or how much money you make. We all have those same emotions hit us. And so being grateful is big. I think positive affirmations are big. And I also think visualization is huge. I mean, every morning and even throughout the day, I visualize where I want to be, how I want to get there, how it's going to feel, how it's going to taste, how other people are going to interact or what they're going to think, what they're going to say. And so that when big things do happen, when good things do happen, it's like the thousandth time that I've lived it, but it's the first time in reality it's really being lived because I've thought about it so many times. And I think that helps me cope when things aren't going well, because I can live in the perfect world, even though in the moment it's not that perfect. Hmm. That's fascinating. That's really fascinating. Like visualization is always something that's had me like really, really stop and think because it's something that I've been implementing a lot more, but it's, it's still, it's still a process. It's still a work in progress. Totally. And I think you feel dumb doing it when you start because there's a lot of like corniness and negativity that's tied to it. Yeah. But if you're consistently thinking about something and living it, I'm such a believer that one, it's going to be a lot easier to actually get there but that helps you cope when things go bad or when you're uncomfortable or when you're feeling negative because you can kind of get away and say, no, like this is where I'm headed and it's going to happen. <laughs> That's for sure. So one question that I've been thinking about a lot lately um, is sort of like, like somebody asked me this recently and I, I was just like, it just got me thinking. And the question was like, what are you proud of? So I just want to ask you like, what, are the things that you are like genuinely proud of that you've been able to do over the last like eight years? You know, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is just my work ethic through those hard things. 
Um, you know, all growing up, I don't think I was the most talented or the best at anything, but I was the best at working harder than anyone else. And I think that's what's led to a lot of success in sales. That's what's led to success in real estate. That's what's led to, you know, a family, my wife and son, and then, you know, daughter that's on the way, uh, a family interaction that I'm so proud of. And that's probably more important than anything else. But even that is only there because I've consistently worked as hard as I can. And I've just shown up. I mean, working your hardest and showing up when it's time to show up. I think those would be the things I'm more proud about than anything else. Do you have any advice for listeners that are struggling with their work ethic, their discipline, or just consistently showing up? Yeah, I think a lot of people think that it comes down to like, oh man, he's stronger willed. It's He's got a stronger mind than I do. But I think people that are hard workers, it's because they're better at setting consistent habits. And so if you can get to the point where whatever you're trying to be a hard worker in, you just create a habit. And for that first part where it's really hard, you focus on that one habit, and you do everything to never let that shake. Then once the habits formed, it's really easy. I mean, with me on the doors, that was a big thing where I just set the habit that it didn't matter what happened. I was going to knock all the hours. I wasn't going to sit down. I wasn't going to take a break. I was going to work the hours. And after doing that for a couple of weeks, I didn't have to think about it anymore. It just happened. And so if people would focus more on setting habits than becoming more strong-willed, I think in turn, they'll be viewed as extremely strong-willed because they've got such good habits. I, that's, that's the exact strategy that I implement because like once I'm able to create a habit, then it just doesn't take that willpower to do the thing, like going to the gym in the morning. It's just something that I know that I do. Like that's just a part of who I am. I go to the gym in the morning and I don't have to think about that. I'm never tempted to hit the snooze button. Cause I know like when I wake up, I go to the gym. That's just what I do. And that's, that's been really like people on the outside, they look in and they're like, you must be very disciplined. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's just part of who I am. It's just, it's just like, part of me. So yeah, it just I, happens. <laughs> yeah, it just happens. Like I don't have to think about it. I don't have to will myself to do it. It's just, it just happens like every single day. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. And I think, I mean, you can see that all of your success is there because you've gotten so good at setting those habits and it's super fun. I mean, I've done a lot of podcasts, but podcasts like this are incredible because first off, I knew your podcast was, was big stuff. But the way that you do it, the way that you ask questions, the way you do things, you're so talented at it, but that's only, be, only come because you've consistently put in the time. And then, you know, once you've created those habits, once you put in the time, it comes naturally to you. I mean, I'm sure this podcast is just easy breezy old hat <laughs> compared to the first one where you're learning those skills, you're putting in that time. And so it's so fun to see it in action. And I just wish people would recognize, man, there's so much startup energy that it takes and then creating those habits and then everything else falls into place. Mm, man, I appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. <laughs> yeah. Everything well, it's, I do. it's been fun, man. I, I can't believe like you just kill it. The questions are so good and it, it really is a lot of fun. They all come from up here. So yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. just flying, flying where my curiosity takes me is, is honestly what it is. But, um, all right, Chandler, I have a couple of questions though that I do like to ask all of my guests. So, uh, you feeling ready for us to hop into those? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The first thing I'm curious about is what is something that genuinely has you fired up right now? Um, just something that's got you excited in the world of either sales or just your life. So I am so fired up about my real estate investing goals right now. 
Um, I really want to break a hundred doors before the year is over. And so I'm making big moves there. And then my other really big focus is sales. I want to double our sales this next year. And so that's why I'm making tons of effort on social media and in every platform I can to get the word out of what an incredible opportunity this is for kids in that college age to come and to learn all those skills and to really put themselves ahead. So those are my two huge things where I'm pouring all my effort and energy into right now. That's what's up. I'm stoked, man. So the next thing I want to ask you about is, is your habits. And I know we were talking about habits just a couple minutes ago, but do you have any habits either in your business, your lifestyle, just things that have served you well over time? Definitely. I think the habits change depending on where my goals are at. But right now I'm pretty ritualistic about my morning routine, my visualization, reading over my goals, getting to the gym, and then making my phone calls to my sales reps who have done well. Um, especially my leaders, making sure that I've got time laid out where I'm reaching out to them and then time laid out to work on my real estate stuff. And so I think holding to those things, knowing where my goals are and then shifting my whole routine based on where my goals are at, those habits have been huge. And once I set them, then I can hold to them for a while and then reevaluate and reset those things. But because I'm consistent about showing up, even though what I'm doing changes, the habit of showing up and doing it stays the same. So couldn't agree more. And I think what you mentioned there is, is extremely important and that's mapping your habits and your actions to your goals. Because before I really established like where I wanted to go, I was just kind of like doing things without really a clear vision of, of where I was going. So I found myself taking actions to get me moving towards other people's goals and not my own goals. Like I was listening to guys like Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk and I was listening to what they told me to do and I was doing those things and I was like, wait, like that's taking me to where their goals are. Like those are the actions that they needed to take to get to their goals, but what are my goals? And really reverse engineering that and making sure that your actions are leading towards your goals and not the goals of, of somebody else or what they're telling you to do. It's so true. And I think people, like I've, I found myself getting caught up in, you know, what job do I want so then I can set good goals so I never set goals. But I think as you focus on you and what you want to be, who you want to be, what you want to accomplish, everything else will fall into place. Because when you know where you're going, it's very easy to make decisions and put your time in the right places. That's the truth. Chandler, uh, I know you're putting out a fair bit of content across social media right now, but is there any content that you're consuming at the moment, whether it's books, audiobooks, podcasts, uh, other YouTube channels? You know, I've got a group of buddies that we always have our favorite books that we have in kind of a text group. So I'm consistently reading new books. I think that's one of my favorite places to get information. And then I consume a fair amount on YouTube lately. I just started a YouTube channel. And so I've been trying to get that built up. But in turn, I found a couple people that I just love watching their stuff. And uh, I've done two videos with me, Kevin. So I'm kind of biased, but <laughs> I feel like his views on real estate, the guy is just a genius. So I love watching his stuff on the real estate side of things. And then when it comes to sales, I kind of bounce around. I mean, I catch a little bit of Tony Robbins, a little bit of Grant Cardone, a little bit of Gary Vee. I feel like too much focus on any one of those definitely throws me off kilter. So I'll just take, take what I like from them and kind of, you know, leave what I don't. And that's been super good. I love it. Yeah, I mean, Kevin is quite the character. I mean, his videos are off the wall every single time. <laughs> like, they really oh, are. I'm I mean, crazy. It's so true. He's got so much humor, and yet he's so smart and on the ball and really knows his stuff. So yeah, it uh, 
he's a he's a good guy i love watching his stuff it's quite the combo he's got going on there (laughs) all right totally chandler one question that i'm also very curious about as well is the things that my guests do that they don't scale so when i when i say don't scale i'm kind of talking like things that you keep that personal like chandler david smith touch to um like what are the things that you have chosen not to um sort of systematize um i know you mentioned like reaching out to your senior leaders but other than that do you have like things that that really maintain that personal touch you know i think those leaders are the biggest place where i haven't and i don't think i ever will systemize it because i love those interactions i mean there are times where i think a lot of people would view it as wasted time where i'll spend 30 45 minutes on a call with some of my leaders but the reason that i do that is they've come out they've worked for me they've proven that they can perform at a really high level and now they're trying to become a good leader. And so they've put in all this, these hours, they put in the time. And so whether they call me with you know, help for their family, help getting into real estate, help in leadership, I just am so connected with them and I'm so proud of what they've done that it's okay to say, you know what? I'm okay spending this time and not scaling this because I sincerely care about these people and I wanna invest time in them. Whether that yields more money or not, I just love those interactions. I love that so much. Chandler, you've been dropping so much value on the podcast. I'm extremely grateful for that. And I'm sure our listeners are as well. Where is the best place for them to go in order to follow up with you, learn more about what you're doing, and um, just stay in touch? Definitely. Well, first off, thank you so much. Um, And with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at Chandler David Smith. So Chandler David Smith on everything social media. And uh, I'm really trying to build up my YouTube with just good content on real estate investing. I'm not selling anything, but it gives me a way to connect with people and hopefully find other people that, you know, want to come and work for me and have that opportunity to work into leadership and other things. So check me out on any of those platforms and hopefully I can bring more value to you there. Amazing. I'll be sure to link up all those in the show notes below for this episode. Again, extremely grateful for your time here on Young Smart Money. Do you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to close out the show with here today? You know, just thank you so much for having me. And uh, just remind people that like, I know you want to find what you love, but it's always going to take hard work, whether you love it or not. And so be willing to put in the time, be willing to work hard. And if you do that, you're always going to be able to find your passions. And so put in the time. Could not agree more. Chandler, it's been a pleasure. Again, man, thank you so much for spending your time here on the show. Hey, thank you. That is going to do it for this episode of Young Smart Money. I hope you guys got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I have some value to share with you. So I got a lot of questions coming my way every single day about how I started and grew Young Smart Money from the ground up to now where we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people. We're a top 100 business podcast. The show is consistently pulling in five figures of revenue per month for me. I'm able to connect with some top level influencers and really grow my network. Everyone's wondering how I did it. So what I decided to do was I was I decided to share literally all of my secrets with you guys for free. Okay. Now, a lot of you guys might be saying, wow, this kid, I thought he had at least a few brain cells. They must, they must've just completely disappeared. Like this kid doesn't know what he's talking about, but I wanted to share this with you guys for free because it's what I'm passionate about. Literally every single day I'm in the DMs helping people out for free. Um, I, I, I see 
I, I get fulfillment. I personally get fulfillment by seeing you guys succeed. So that's what I want to allow you guys to do. So I put together this free training. Again, all you have to do is head to my website, applecrater.com slash podcast, and you can hop on this training for free and uh, learn exactly how I'm able to do what I do and how I was able to scale it in such a short amount of time, how you can do the same as well. Um, and all that I ask in return is that you guys leave a five-star review on the podcast. You guys know how much those mean to me. So if you could take the time, again, five seconds to, to just leave me a review on iTunes, could be a one-star, could be a five-star, just give it whatever you feel the show deserves in your heart of hearts. Um, I really would appreciate that so much. And again, in return, I want to give you guys that free training over at applecreator.com slash podcast, where you can learn exactly how I was able to do what I do and how I'm able to continuously um, grow this thing, scale this thing, and just use it as this massive leverage point to connect with so many amazing people. So again, guys, one last time, that's applecreator.com slash podcast. Go check out that free training I made absolutely for you as soon as you write us a five-star review, okay? I'm not going to be enforcing this, but it's kind of like an honor system, okay? So if you watch the training, I'm going to expect that you left us a five-star review, okay? Because if I'm going to give some to you, I'm going to need you to give a little something to me, okay? So once you guys do that, head over to the training, watch it, check it out, let me know what you think. Um, and I know you guys are going to enjoy, get a ton of value. I dropped some secrets that I've never talked about publicly before. So um, definitely you're going to enjoy that. Um, I'll see you guys over there. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day, wherever it takes you.